So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, um, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses or so today. But over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the core fundamentals of what it means to be the church. And the reason we've built these tune-up questions into our worship is because we're called to be worshipers, right? And if we're out of tune with God, then it makes worship hard. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how important it was for us to engage in valuable relationships. That's one of God's purposes for the church, that we're together and we're in each other's lives and we're caring and we're loving and we're helping. Today I want to talk about a third purpose of the church, and that's to help us grow in our relationship with God. First Peter chapter 2 is all about us growing in our relationship with God. One of the things I was able to do when I was sick was to spend a little bit more time reading. You can only watch Netflix for so long. In fact, I may have even burned through the whole library. I was so bored in isolation. But one book I read was an interesting book. The title of it intrigued me. The topic was even more fascinating. It was called Try Softer. And, and the idea was that so often in life, if we want something, we try harder. But when it comes to grace, and when it comes to living out a faith that isn't based on our merits, the call is not to try harder, it's to try softer. Does that make sense? Because the kingdom that we're a part of is actually Upside down. So we don't try harder, we try softer as we receive and we live in grace. You know, the same upside down dynamic exists in our grace and in our growth. You see, it would be easy when we think of spiritual growth to say, grow up, get better, do more. But grace invites us to grow down in the same way that grace invites us to try softer. Does that make sense? Has anyone seen the movie Benjamin Button, the mysterious story of Benjamin Button? You guys seen that? Maybe you've read the book. I, I, I was more of a movie guy than a book guy. I mean, that was kind of how I got through school, but you know... If, it wasn't a movie of it. I wasn't going to do well in the class. That was just kind of how it worked. But the movie and the story is about a guy who's born an old man. And as he goes through his life, he gets younger. I, I think in the story they say that he's got some, you know, genetic thing that's been reversed. So he's actually born an old man. But as he goes through his life, he actually grows younger. And I love that movie because that's a picture of how it's supposed to be as Christians, right? J Jesus says, if you want to be like me, you have to become not like old, wise, grumpy sages, right? But you got to become like little children. 
He says, if you want to have the kind of faith that best connects with me, then figure out how to live as a child. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to be born again. You have to start again. You have to be born as a child again. The call when it comes to issues of grace is not necessarily to grow up, but to grow down, to become more childlike, more trusting, more full of wonder and more full of awe. I was talking to someone this past week and they were telling me part of their story and how long they've been a part of the church for 70 years. And it's funny, sometimes when people talk to pastors, for some reason, sometimes they feel that they need to impress me. I imagine in the same way that they're trying to impress God, and it just doesn't work, but it happens, and it's weird. And so this person who'd been involved in the church for over 70 years was trying to impress me by how grown up she'd become. But as I listened to what grown up looked like in her eyes, I was reminded that the call to us is to grow down and to try softer because we live under grace. We live under a system that seems upside down. So today I want to share with you from Peter's letter three things that I think help us to grow down and to try softer. I'll give them to you now. The first one, if you want to grow softer, if you want to grow down, don't settle. Secondly, I think Peter says if we want to grow down and try softer, don't stumble. And thirdly, I think he says, don't forget. Don't forget who you are and whose you are and where you belong. So first of all, don't settle. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, therefore. Therefore is a transitional word. What's we transitioning from? We're transitioning from this picture of what it means to live a life that pleases God. In the end of 1 Peter chapter 1, there's this call to live a holy life. Peter raises the bar for who we should be and how we should live. Then he says, therefore, because of this, let me tell you how to do this. First of all, don't settle. What does it mean to not settle? First of all, he says, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. Rid yourself of these things. The phrase, rid yourself, when we dig into its meaning, talks of taking off clothes. Taking off old clothes that have been stained and soiled. This phrase, rid yourself, is really a pretty graphic 
phrase. You remember when, when, when you had kids perhaps and your kids were really, really young and, and they would wake up in the morning and you discovered that the diaper had burst and it was just a mess everywhere. That's the kind of clothes that Paul is talking about, that Peter is talking about here. He's saying, we used to wear these clothes that were soiled before God because our sin and our brokenness had soiled them. Take them off. Throw them away. Get rid of them. You cannot grow young. You cannot try softer if you're wearing the old lifestyle that we did before we met Jesus. What does that lifestyle look like? He says, malice. When you're thinking evil, unhelpful things, when you have habits and attitudes in your life that are wrong. He says, get rid of deceit. That's something that needs to be ripped off. When you're tricking people, when you're manipulating people towards your own ends, get rid of that stuff. Hypocrisy. If you're living as a hypocrite, get rid of that stuff. Stop it. I I was digging deeply into this word as well this week, and I'd known for a while that to be a hypocrite means to be a stage actor. You know that? To, To wear a mask, to pretend to be someone you're not. But digging a little bit deeper, the original word comes from this idea of someone, it says, who begins with the answer. So someone who's haughty and arrogant and and goes into a conversation saying, this is right, this is what you need to do. I know what the truth is here. They start by leading with their answer. And then it progressed to mean a mask, and now we know what it means now. Someone who says something they're not. Peter says, rid yourself of that stuff. And envy, when you get jealous, rid yourself of it. And slander, when you're gossiping, you're speaking bad of each other, rip that stuff away. That's not who you are anymore. Peter's saying, if you want to grow young, if you want to try softer, first of all, rip off that stuff that has soiled you before God. And start again. Be born again. As a young infant, verse 2, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the world so that you can grow up, or in my language, grow down in your salvation. Like newborn infants, start again with pure milk. What what, what is the, the milk we build upon? It's God's Word. This is His truth. This is His revelation. This is His structure. This is His paradigm. This is His hope. As we start to begin our relationship with God, we start craving God's Word. It's nutritious. It's pure. It's holy. 
It gives us everything we need to start to grow up and to grow down. One of the problems with our Christian culture that's so heartbreaking is that we've substituted the pure milk of God's word for something else. We have this bumper sticker theology. We have a... a, a, a a paradigm, a mindset that's shaped as much by our social media as it is God's Word. And when we're letting something else shape our spiritual life other than God's Word, it's like having a diet of Pop-Tarts. When God says there's a pure milk, that you as an infant need if you're going to, to grow in me. It says, rid yourself. Start a healthy diet based on God's word. This is how you will grow in this. See, lots of people trying to grow up outside of this, and it always takes them off at an angle where they miss God's best for them. Rid yourself, take off, drink the pure milk of God's word so that you can, you can grow. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that's an instruction from the psalmist. It's an invitation, right? It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have tasted him, you get that and you want more of it. Realize that you come to him as living stones. That even though people may reject you, you are chosen and honored by God. This living stones is a fascinating idea as well. There are two kinds of stones. One's living stones. What do you think the other one is? A dead stone. A dead stone in this day was like a big boulder. It was just something that was in the way. It was something that you couldn't do much with. But living stones, living stones were stones that had been cut and crafted and shaped to be useful. You would use a living stone when you were building something. You would use a living stone on your house or your fireplace or whatever it was you were building. But the transformation from a dead stone to a living stone was when the living stone was shaped to fit a purpose. Peter says, you are living stones chosen and honored by God. God's building a spiritual house through you. To be a priesthood who represents him and serves him. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, I think the first thing that Peter is saying in this is don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for what you got now because God's got so much more ahead for you. He's not done with you. This isn't your lot in life. He wants to keep changing you and transforming you. Don't settle. If there's envy, anger, all that stuff, rip it off. 
strip it off. Realize that you are a, a living stone. Be shaped by the pure milk of God's word. If you want to grow young, if you want to grow softer, don't settle. Don't settle. When we stop growing, we stop living. When we stop moving towards God, we stop moving away from God. Don't settle. Secondly, don't stumble. Don't stumble. Verse 6, for it stands in Scripture. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word that they were destined for. First of all, Peter says, don't settle. Secondly, I think the instruction is don't stumble. Now, as we just sung about, there are times when we trip. There are times when we're Judas. There are times when we're in the crowd shouting, crucify him. There are times when this uh, hypocrisy and deceit and malice and envy and slander is, is who we are. And God loves us still anyway. But don't stumble. How, how do we not stumble? Just spend time in this book. Because this book will be a cornerstone to your life. Because this book points you to Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. And again, you know I'm hopeless at fixing things. I could never be a builder or an architect or anything in my life. But I know what a cornerstone is. And I know if you get the cornerstone wrong, everything else is wrong. If the cornerstone is off, everything else is off. Peter's saying the way not to stumble is making sure that Jesus that his life, his example, his sacrifice, his way is your cornerstone. If Jesus is our cornerstone, does it mean life will be easy? No. Will life be hard? Absolutely. Will it be tough? Yes. Will we be persecuted and respected, uh, disrespected? It says it right here. But if Jesus is our cornerstone, we avoid stumbling. And if we avoid stumbling, Peter says, then we'll never be put to shame. As I look back on my life and all the things that I am ashamed of, and there's a lot, all of those things that have called me, caused me shame are things that I've done away from Christ. And as I think of my life in Christ, when Jesus has been my cornerstone, as I've sought to follow him, there is no shame. Because what I'm doing is about his business and his will and his work. If he's the cornerstone, there is no shame. <laughs> if he's not the cornerstone, man, do we do some shameful things. Peter says as well, 
That when Christ is the cornerstone, honor will come your way. Why will honor come your way? Not before the world, but honor before God because you're pleasing him. And then there's this warning as well in verse 8, right? If you don't let Jesus be the cornerstone, then you're going to trip. It says people stumble because they disobey the word of God. We stumble because we say, I'm going to go my way. I'm going to follow my plan. I'm going to do my stuff. Don't settle. Don't stumble. Jesus is the God who was and is and is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a constant. He was there before you were. He'll be with us for all eternity. But Peter's saying if we don't make Jesus the cornerstone, then we'll find ourselves tripping over Jesus. We have to do something with Jesus. We either make him Lord or we don't. If we do, we stand strong. Things start to come together. If we don't, we trip over him. This week I was working on some stuff with the Better Man event and one of our potential speakers this year, I don't think we're going to go in this direction, was going to be Tim Allen. And I heard rumors that Tim Allen was a believer. He may be, I, I don't know, but I decided to do some research. And it turns out he's got some kind of faith. And I found a little testimony that he'd given. And he talked about how he'd grown up in church, following the ways of God. Then he became famous and he did his thing and he had his comedy. And his comedy took him in places he didn't want to go. But even when he was telling those bad, dirty, difficult jokes, he felt this conviction inside of him. What does God think about this? Is this pleasing to Jesus? You see, if you're not following God, God becomes a tripping stone for you, right? It trips our conscience. It trips our our way of living and our way of life. How do we grow down? How do we try softer? First of all, don't settle. Secondly, don't Stumble. Very simply, we avoid stumbling, Peter says, by obeying the word of God. Don't settle, don't stumble, don't forget. Don't forget. Verse 9, this is what we must never ever forget. That those who are in Christ, that those who are under grace are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession so that we may proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Don't forget Verse 10, that once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
If we want to grow young, if we want to try softer, don't settle, don't stumble, and don't forget. First of all, don't forget who you are. You have been chosen by God. You've been chosen by God before the foundation of the earth. While you were still in your mother's womb, God was knitting you together and calling you his own. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Back in the day, people had a priest. But once we say yes to Jesus, we become a priest. We live our lives for him. We represent him. We worship him. We offer our lives in service to him. It's what priests do. We're a holy nation. We're people who are set apart, who are invited to live differently, to live on a different purpose in a different plane, to not blend in, to not conform. We're different. A people for his possession, a people who belong to God. That's who we are. Let's not forget who we are, but let's also not forget why God has chosen us. Very simple in the end of verse 9. We are who we are to proclaim God's praises. Some versions will say to proclaim God's excellencies. That we're put here not for our own ends, not to do our own thing, but to share and to celebrate and live and love towards the goodness and the excellencies of God. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget that you've been given a purpose. Don't forget that once you were not, but now you are. Once you didn't have, but now you do. You remember what it's like to be on the, the out crowd? <laughs> Honestly, that was, that's been a big part of my life. <laughs> it's no fun. And sometimes even feel, following God is a part of this world feels like we're out of this world, and we are, but we're on God's side. We're his. Because we didn't have, but now because of Jesus, we do. We were without mercy on our own and lost and hurting and with no way of getting out of the mess we'd created, but now we do have a way through God's mercy. It's the people of God. We don't try harder. We, we, don't, we don't force ourselves and climb and create bigger checklists and keep score of how great we are because we're never good enough. We try softer because we know we need grace. And as people who've received grace, the only way to grow up is to grow down. 
humble ourselves like little children to crave pure spiritual meat of God's word. I want to encourage you today, don't settle, don't stumble, don't forget. Don't settle, don't stumble, don't forget. Spiritual growth is really pretty simple. A.W. Tozer said, it's really simple. All you have to do is rid yourself of sin and let the righteousness of Christ fill that space that once belonged to sin. Don't settle because God's got more. Don't stumble and don't ever forget who you are in him.